and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we're back with another Summer Screams episode. And this time, we have one of my favourite subgenres. And what's that? That is 1950s beach party movies. <laughs> yeah. Also 1960s as well, even though I think it was dying out by that point. But there's just something so charming about them. And this one's not on a beach. This is one of the subcategories of the subgenre of beach movies. It's basically teen exploitation. Teen exploitation. That's that's what you would call it. Yeah. Yes. It's either on a beach or it's racing cars or it's rock and roll careers. Or it's good girls gone bad. Good girls gone bad. And I mean this has a bit of all of those apart from the beach, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um it packs a lot into a small amount of time, like a lot of these films did. It does. Um it follows the same formula as all of them, um, but I just cannot get enough of it. We are of course talking about Ghost of Drag Strip Hollow from nineteen fifty nine, the sequel to the Hot Rod Gang. Yeah. Sequel kind of. Yeah. A couple of characters in common. Um you don't have to watch Hot Rod Gang. For watching Ghost no. to Drag Strip Hollow. <laughs> no, but you should because the Hot you Rod should. Gang is a very yes. good film. Yes, but we discuss it a lot on the podcast. And like Gary's mentioned, it's it's one of our favourite genres. These 50s, 60s, teen exploitation, rockabilly, uh, camp films um, that were so prominent. The B-movies... We love it. It's that kind of Americana yeah. that we really enjoy. Because if you looked at the, the English films from around that time, they're, they're quite stuffy in comparison. We have the odd ones, but they're, they're very influenced yeah. by these, you know, teen exploitation films from America. So Ghost of Drag Strip Hollow and uh, the Hot Rod Gang before it, they were produced by American International Pictures, AIP short and um the head of american international pictures was samuel z arkoff Mm -hmm. he was a very famous producer of the movies just threw out a load of these kind of films and and hopefully they stuck um double bill driving um you know he did a lot of the roger corman films Mm -hmm. as well the ones he did of edgar Allan poe so all very campy Horror, exploitation, ridiculousness. Yeah. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. And he most famously kind of came up with the Arkoff formula. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll give it to you now, Gary, and we can think about it as we're going through the film. Um, It's an acronym with his Mm -hmm. initial, uh, not his initials, with his surname. So A is for action. Uh, R is for revolution. Wow. K is for killing. <laughs> o is for oratory. Mm-hmm. F is for fantasy. And the second F is for fornication. So action, something exciting. Revolution, something novel or controversial. Killing, there's a bit of violence in there. Oratory, so there's notable dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantasy, there's some far out shit going down yeah. that doesn't really make any sense and obviously fornication a little bit of sex appeal yeah so they also came up with the peter pan syndrome uh which was a strategy that they devised 
So they essentially said that a younger child will watch anything that an older child will watch. Mm -hmm. An older child will not watch anything that a younger child will watch. A girl will watch anything that a boy will watch. Yeah. A boy will not watch anything that a girl will watch. And therefore, to catch your greatest audience, you zero in on the 19-year-old male. Which I think this film does. It does. I think it actually fits a lot of these categories. Yeah. And we can think about it as we're yeah. going through. But I do think it's really interesting, his formula for a successful mm-hmm. B-movie. Yeah. And, you know, we sit here and we want to say, not every film should be for 19-year-old males. Well, it kind of sometimes feels like the big films. Yeah. Are aimed at nine, and it's changing. Yeah, thank you, Greta Gerwig. Well, I was, I was actually going to bring up Barbie to hold the theory that a boy won't watch what a girl will watch. You know, in twenty twenty three, I sit here right now telling you that men are still out there gendering films mm-hmm. and being afraid to watch Barbie because it's too girly. Absolutely, seventy years yeah. after the Arkoff, you know, films yeah. uh, after the A American International Pictures B movies mm-hmm. that. The formula still stands, you know, and we are looking at a change and hopefully that change quickens up. But yeah, like you said, too many people are gendering films. Yeah. And, you know, I for one think that every film should be enjoyed by everyone, Mm. you know, regardless of gender, sexuality, race. You know, age, okay, you mm-hmm. know, there should be age limits on certain things, you know. Um, I don't think kids should be watching every film that comes out. But the point still stands. Yeah. I think films should be for everyone, and you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but also, you know, looking at that comparison from then to now, imagine if we had teensploitation films now in the same way as this. I mean, you know, back then you obviously had everyone being a bit, oh, gee, golly, I'm going to steal your girl. Um, and racing around in cars and <laughs> and so on. Nowadays, I mean, I don't want to sound like an old man, but everyone would just be doing silly TikToks on the yeah, beach. Yeah, would, they would. And uh, that would be teen exploitation. I would say something like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. That Absolutely be... teen exploitation. Yeah, that's true. Have you talked to me? Talk to me. Yeah. Um, he has like box smart. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I, I know these, these are teen movies, yeah. but they are teen movies that kind of exaggerate yeah they are over the top mm-hmm. um in many of its themes you know it, it's not i wouldn't say ladybird was because ladybird is quite a sort of quieter film yeah more reflective film yeah but i think the teen exploitation does i I think for me bodies 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 is that's true that's definitely true. yeah modern teen exploitation yeah. well ghost of drugstrip hollow was directed by william j hall jr who directed uh, the Chris? Stop laughing. That's his actual name. J Hole, but K Hole. The director of the Forsaken Westerns, The Bionic Woman, Peyton Place, The Face of Terror, The Young and the Cool, The Devil's Hands, Speed Crazy, Howlbound, and more. So yeah, the lots of episodes of the TV series Peyton Place, yeah. not not the Lion uh-huh. Turner movie. Um, yeah, very much B-movie. Um, I'm, I'm looking at Letterbox now and these posters are giving me life. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving them. Uh-huh. Over the top, ridiculous, 
stupid. Stupid. Let's say stupid as well. Because a lot of these films are a bit stupid. They are. And I'm sure you can say the same thing about the films uh, by the writer, Lou Russoff, who did Hot Rod Gang, of course, Rebel Highway, Back to the Beach, Beach Party, Submarine Seahawk, Dragstrip Girl, Cat Girl, The She-Creature, Flesh and the Spur, Girls in Prison, Shake, Rattle and Rock, and more. I love a women in prison film. Yeah. Love it. Again, I'm looking at these posters, I'm looking at this filmography, and I'm I'm living my best life. These look amazing. Um, Yeah, I, I, I feel like maybe now we should explain what drag strip means because I, I don't really know 100% myself um it's not drag race Suddenly. as in RuPaul's no. drag race I wish it was it's I'm assuming drag strip is like in Greece I, I think like it's when they're racing a, a certain road where people go racing yeah but not like, like an official one because I, I feel like the whole idea of drag racing is that it's illegal yeah. They're doing it in public, not in a confined space where they can't hurt anyone. If any of our straight listeners can write in and no. tell us. <laughs> no. I don't know. I, I mean, do we drag race in the UK? I think that's the equivalent of what we like to call in the UK boy racers. Boy racers. <laughs> I remember I, I used to work at Sainsbury's uh, supermarket here in the UK. Jesus. Yeah, and... <laughs> Almost every Saturday night, there would be cars gathered at the top left-hand corner of the car park, and they would just, what would you call it, donuts? Where it would just sort of, the car would just sort of spin round. I'm honestly just surprised they weren't dogging. <laughs> now, I'm not explaining what dogging is. Good old Sainsbury's car park. Yeah. <laughs> um... This was made on a budget of, I have no idea, and it made, I also have no idea, because I could not find out information online, but I can tell you, in January 1960, this film was widely shown at drive-in theatres on a double bill with the Diary of a High School Bride. Yeah. Diary of a High School Bride. And I wish that was a double bill we did. Yeah. It's amazing. It, yeah. It's a strange double bill. I find a lot of these, when we've sort of, talked about driving double bills. The two films aren't necessarily too similar. No. So, like, this is drag racing and the other yeah. one is Teenage Bride. Yeah. You know? So, shall we talk about who's in it? Yes, in a section we like to call, Hey, I know you. I thought you were going to do, like, a uh, 50s teen voice. <laughs> Ow. No, <laughs> Well, that's Mae West. Mae West. <laughs> what? Like... Oh, I don't know. I, I feel like I need to click my fingers when I'm doing it. Hey, what's the jazz? <laughs> anyway, Jodie Fair... <laughs> Who are you, buster? <laughs> Jodie Fair plays the absolute fucking goddess that is Lois Cavendish. She's everything I strive to be in life. Uh, she was in Bonanza, My Three Sons, Wide Country, The Young Savages, Sex Kittens Go to College, Girls Town... The Brain Eaters, High School Confidential, and more. These titles. Sex kittens go to college. Are you serious? I, I might have to uh, see if I'll go through all of her filmography. I just, I like how so many of these uh, B-movies from the 50s, the titles could be porn films. Yeah. Like 
High School Confidential, The Young Savages, Sex Kittens Go to College. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Hot Rod Hot Rod Gang. I know, I know. Um, I really, really love Jodie Fair in this. Just She's, gives me life. She is, yeah. She's uh, top notch. <laughs> Russ Bender is sitting opposite me right now. Also, um, plays Tom Hendry. Highly inappropriate. Uh, from War of the Colossal Beasts, the, twi- Beast? the Twilight Zone, it conquered the world. The Young Animals, Days of Wine and Roses, I Saw What You Did, opposite Joan Crawford. Yeah. The Navy versus the Night Monsters, and more. Yeah. Um, Days of Wine and Roses, that was a fairly well-received film. But yeah, everything else. Is that the divorce pure. film with Kathleen Turner... No, that was War of the Roses. Oh, okay. Uh, Days of Wine and Roses is Lee Remick and Jack Lemmon playing alcoholics. Are, are you aware of the Kathleen Turner one? War, yeah, with um, Danny, directed by Danny DeVito, wasn't are it? Are you aware that Alice Cooper wanted to remake it with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard? Oh, dear. Go. Less said about that, the better. Thank you. Um, I actually really like Respender in this. He's just like, oh, well, give these kids a break. <laughs> he, I don't know how old he's meant to be. It's confusing. <laughs> they act like he's like fucking 100 years old. They do. <laughs> they do. But he's like, oh, come on, these kids aren't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is very sort of um on their side. He's an ally for the teens. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of exploiting them because he's writing an article on them. <laughs> yeah, but they know about it. Yeah. Henry McCann plays Dave. Uh, he was in No Time for Sergeants, Submarine Seahawk, M Squad, The DA's Man, The Anne Southern Show, Shirley Temple's Storybook, How Joey, and more. Do we think he was typecast as a nerd in all of those, or just this one? Um, I think he was typecast as a yeah. nerd. You know, well, he's got thick glasses. What, what are you uh-huh. meant to do with an actor with thick glasses? Oh, exactly. He's uh, not going to play a handsome leading man, is he? Fucking hell. <laughs> and finally for me, I have Martin Braddock as Stan. He was in Fist. Fist? Herbie Rides Again. <laughs> Shirts and Skins. Oh my God. The Cliff. Banning. School for Violence. Lassie. Perry Mason. Mannix. Calling Dr. Gannon. Kojak and more. Again, you know... Some of them really sound like porn films. <laughs> um, we also have Dorothy Newman as Anastasia Abernathy, <laughs> yes. who is the, the kooky older lady. That's, should we the, put it like that? couldn't get Joan Crawford. Yes. Before. And she, being the absolute queen that she was, I'm assuming she's no longer with us, um, she starred in The Day the Earth Stood Still, Ten Commandments, Valley of the Dolls, Gigi, The Snake Pit with Olivia de Havilland, Sorry Wrong Number, Blackboard Jungle, Private Parts, <laughs> uh, Anything Goes. Wow. Yeah, she's in loads, loads of... Well, there's some prestigious films there, yeah. actually. You know, not just a B-movie actress. And she was, of course, also in Hot Rod Gang. So there, there are a few, yeah, a few actors slash characters. characters that return... So, like, Russ Bender was in Hot Rod Gang, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, playing a different character. But he plays a different character. So that's a... 
they get away with it because everyone looks the same these days in in the 50s yeah. the, in the teen gang and with the older guys as well you know a lot of them just look the same so they kind of get away with it it's it's true and none of them ever look their age none of them look like teenagers especially jack ging as tony who was <laughs> in a no way he, whatsoever he older than Respender. <laughs> he was 27 playing this teen uh, and looked every fucking minute of it. Uh, he was also in High Plains Drifter, Play Misty for Me, Hang 'em High. So he worked with um, what's his Clint name? Eastwood. Clint Eastwood a lot. Thank you very much. And uh, probably most best known for his role as General Harlan Bull Fulbright. I don't know how to say that name because I never watched the show in uh, the A Team. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Other than that, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of B movie actors, isn't it? Yeah. Really, um, in keeping with you know the uh, the time and the budgets. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, with that being said, let's talk about our feature presentation. The ghost of Greg Strip Hollow. <laughs> Anybody want to kiss a duck? There's a perfectly rational explanation for all this. <laughs> Pet cats and hot rodders, they're all alive to the jive. Start with opening credits with a fun rock and roll song and some spooky ghosts floating around. It's it's rock and roll, but it's also giving me like a sitcom opening, yeah. like from the time, like I Love Lucy, mm-hmm. The Honeymooners, that kind of style of um, song. Um, yeah, ghostly figures. Don't get used to them. I know. It's yeah, a very long time. Make the most of it. Make the most of. It. <laughs> Considering this is a film called The Ghost of Dragstrip Hollow. There's uh, not a lot of ghosts and actually not a lot of Dragstrip Hollow either. The, there's whatever Dragstrip Hollow is. They, is it even <laughs> mentioned in the film? Yeah, that's, that's where the mansion is. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. So the mansion's there, um, but we don't get to see a lot of that either. No. So, we no. start with two queens, one of which is Lois from Los Angeles Drag Racing Club, the Hot Rod Gang. Yes. And the other is her rival, Nita, that bitch. Yeah, so the, it's the Hot Rod Gang, but they're also called the Zenith Club in this film as well. Yeah. Um, so she was in the first... This, was this character in the first yeah. film? Okay. I believe so. I think so. But not as prominent as in this. No, I don't think it was. I don't think she was. No? I feel like she was the love interest that he ended up getting with. I thought the love interest was blonde in the first one. At first, yeah. But then he got with someone else. Oh, maybe. Sorry for spoiling Hot Rod Gang. Sorry. Um, the Yeah, so they're racing against each other and a policeman chases after them. Lois is wearing a great sun hat. It's an absolute miracle it's staying on. Oh my God, that must be glued down <laughs> to her fucking head. And because she's an absolute icon and expert on drag racing, she's not the one who gets caught by the police uh, and she sends Nita crashing into a wall. Nita's giving Penelope pit stop. She is. (laughs) 
So I'm living for that as well. And, you know, our two ladies, they're breaking those gender stereotypes. Yeah. They're drag racing. The Lois is like, see a bitch. Yeah. Fucks off after Nita crashes. And uh, I'm living for it. I really am. Um, it's it's Honestly, it was a little jarring because obviously, you know, predominantly in films like this, you see a lot of men racing all the time and everything. So for the film to open with these two queens racing like that, I was just like, oh my God. Yes, which is great, really great. But then the film brings up a lot. Interestingly, it brings up these sort of gender stereotypes a lot, but doesn't quite make its mind up as to what what its stance is. I mean, I took it as a positive take on it because it's highlighting the misogyny surrounding it. But Lois is still a drag racer by the end of the film. She's not, though. She's not? No, she vows to never drag race again. Oh, does she? Yeah. Oh, of course she does, yeah. And then gets her man. Yeah, yeah. okay. Well, yeah. I mean, up until that point, it's a feminist film. Um... Yeah. Because we then we then cut to a gang of teenagers, the Zenith Club, working on their vehicles, and they're talking with journalist Tom Hendry yeah. about their cars and how millions of readers will want to read about them and their cars. So... One of the girls, and it's hard to keep up with a lot of these characters because they, they come and go and they don't really do much. No. They just have sort of zingy one-liners uh, every so often. Um, Rhoda is one of them. Uh, Rhoda doesn't yeah. do anything else for the rest of the film. But she does say that Tom Hendry, he's got static in his attic, completely zonked. <laughs> Tom Hendry then says... I'll have to include a dictionary with this story. <laughs> and I thought, what the fuck does static in the attic mean? Now, I asked this question a lot during the film as well. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What is that yeah. meant to mean? I urban dictionary it. Okay. Static in the attic. And would you like to know what urban dictionary says? I would, even if urban dictionary wasn't around in the 50s. It wasn't. And I don't think this is what she was saying. But... According to Urban Dictionary, static in the attic is when a guy or girl is caught masturbating in the attic <laughs> by a friend, parent or sibling, making for an awkward situation, and they just can't get the image out of their mind. Let's go with that. That's what, that's yeah, what she meant. Is, I thought she was talking about writer's block. Well, um, But she may have been talking about yeah, I think giving yourself a yeah. treat in the attic she, and being Word caught. on the street. Word on the street. Respendable's there. Uh... Having off of himself in the attic. Uh, the nerdy one, Dave, claims to have come up with the transcendental, transcend, transcendental nature of locomotion and combustion. Dave is a twat. Oh, he's talking about Albert Einstein, the nerd. Honestly, what a I, nerd. Now I love this film, but this fucking section of them talking about cars was fucking draining. <laughs> well, <laughs> especially means we were analysing it scene for scene, minute for minute, and we had to, like, we didn't want to miss anything out for you guys, none of the juicy details. So we had to listen to these fucking nerds talking about cars for what felt like three hours. Yeah, so surprisingly, Dave appears to have a girlfriend. <laughs> um, oh my god, that's fucking rude. <laughs> I know, because he's such a nerd. <laughs> Is Albert Einstein. Uh, I'm a nerd, quoted. I've got you. Yeah, I know. You're a nerd, you've got me. Oh, I'm being wait. sarcastic because okay. of the film, you weirdo. <laughs> Have you actually been mean to him? No! 
the, but the film is, you know, he has thick well, yeah. glasses. He must be a nerd. And and he's yeah, but so is his girlfriend. So is his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, because he's uh, she's standing next to him. She's a very attractive woman. Um, she's nodding along as he's speaking. Is because she wears glasses too, so mm-hmm. she understands the theory of relativity and all that business. And uh, we also get Bonzo the clown, who is, I think, going to a Three Stooges sort of yeah. Thing. And he's wearing a bowler hat and he makes a joke out of absolutely everything. At this point, I was like, okay, this is going to be grating. He was a little bit, but half the time I didn't understand his jokes anyway. <laughs> I forgot he was there. <laughs> and then we spit, and this is the boring bit. Mm-hmm. We, Tom Hendry speaks to Tommy Evo or Ivo, I'm not sure who was a real-life Drag Race Hall of Famer. Yeah. Next to Chad Michaels and it's, Jimbo. It's pretty much um, Gran Turismo, the movie, it's isn't it? That's what I imagine the film's like. <laughs> so Tommy Evo, he talks about his records and how he builds his vehicles, and it is it actually does go on for a very long time. It's like Gran <laughs> it's Turismo. T- he talks about a narrowed. Oh, he talks about how he narrowed the rear end by twenty four inches, <laughs> and um, it was um, it piqued my interest a little bit, but you know it didn't really go anywhere after that. But he did fucking hell. He don't have to go on. Like, who cares? Yeah, I kind of just skipped over it and got to the point where they're trying to convince Tom Hendry that they're not juvenile delinquents. And one of the queens poses for him on a car and uh, she's like, well, I'm sure you'll be one of some pictures. How's this? <laughs> <laughs> and then the other girl does it as well. Yeah, she starts posing as well. <laughs> he hasn't it's... got a camera hern. <laughs> well, who are you posing for? It's just for? this idea that all the adults in the 1950s, and it's always the way they're portrayed as well, I always think that every single teenager or 20-year-olds posing as teenagers uh, are just absolute fucking bastards who will wreck your house steal your daughter yeah but what they're saying is that because they spend all their time and their money on their cars yeah they can't be juvenile delinquents because they've got somewhere to be no but then lois arrives back after nearly murdering nita (laughs) now an actual juvenile delinquent turns up Uh, and they introduce her to uh, tom hendry and he's like well i don't know girls take part in this sport and Dave's like, it's disgusting. It's so unfeminine. And he seems genuinely, He's genuinely disgusted. disgusted. Like, fuck off, Dave. Yeah. I And up to that point, I felt bad for him. I was like, he's got thick room glasses. You know, he's clearly having a hard time because he is a nerd. And nerds obviously have terrible time, particularly <laughs> in teen movies. Nerds are, you know... At the bottom of the ladder. Uh-huh. But fuck Dave. Yeah. Dave can fuck off. Tom Hendry asks if he could stay with them at their clubhouse. And they explain that they are currently in the process of being evicted. But he can stay until they have to leave. Kind of creepy. Not going to lie. Tom Hendry's like, oh, well, uh, kids, uh, how do you do? I'm going to come stay with you for a while. Yeah. In your clubhouse. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, it's a weird get up. Uh, setup, not get up. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a weird setup because how much does he need to watch? And her, to watch him sleep. <laughs> like, <laughs> surely he can get a hotel. If he's a he's a proper journalist, yeah. the magazine or the newspaper will cover the hotel for the time he doesn't have to sleep with them. 
The gang uh, go to a diner where they sit around and watch people dancing to the Renegades performing Geranimo. Well, I they hope have. You enjoyed a just, song. Just a, a little bit before that. Because obviously Stan's going on about how they're wholesome kids and, you know, they, they aren't just drag racing for kicks and thrills and they take it very seriously. My question is, what was Lewis doing earlier then? <laughs> Lois. Lois, not Lewis. <laughs> Lois. Um, and Lois is then visited by the police officer from <laughs> earlier before we go to the band performing Geronimo. Now, this yeah. nothing happens at this. He literally no. just... Can you come with me, lady? And she does, and and it's never mentioned afterwards no. that she got arrested. Um, but yeah, the Renegades perform in Geronimo. Yes. I hope you like the song because it is repeated throughout. It's a bit like um the Shadows, where it's like instrumental, but every so often they'll shout Geronimo. I'm I'm jealous that these people got to grow up in a time where the way to promote your band was to get it in a fucking teen exploitation film. Yeah, that always seemed to be the way. Of all these films, there's an actual band in them, and they just show up and perform like two of their songs over and over again. Well, the Hot Rod Gang had Gene Vincent. Yeah, which was a bit um, a much bigger name than is in this film. Um, the Renegades. I've never heard of them, but um, the song was written by Nick Vinette, mm-hmm. who would uh, later go on to become a producer for Capitol Records and sign such acts as the Beach Boys, Bobby Darin and Glenn Campbell. Yeah. Oh, no, that's not Mother's Favourite. Who's Mother's Favourite? Mum's Favourite. John. John Denver. John Denver. I always yeah. get John Denver and Glenn Campbell mixed up. Ah, oh. so not Mum's Favourite. No. But yeah, uh, they also shoot girls. <laughs> as part of the song they do <laughs> as does Frenchie the chef yes <laughs> Frenchie the chef should probably have lost his job he really point. should he's, have lost uh, his job he's alarming he yeah let's just say that but no one's um scared no of no, the guns the, being shot he looks like he'd go there every day so yeah. they're just used to it by now some of the ladies from the gang form a girl group trio mm. and they start performing a song about their guy to impress Tom Hendry, and some of the lyrics are absolute gold. Louis was really swell, Larry was smart, and Andy was sharp, but none of them gave me a thrill. I can imagine <laughs> Mae West singing, it's lower. Yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> none of them gave me a thrill. Um, it's yeah. an absolute banger. It is, actually. I, I would listen to it casually. Um, is it? Is it available on Spotify? It's sadly not. Sadly not. But it's on, it will be on YouTube. Yeah. Um, the Renegade songs are, though, and they are on our playlist. On there. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I'm just absolutely living for this. I It's... It, yeah, it's yeah. a serve. It, it's, it goes off, as they'd it say. Does go it goes off. off. It does go off. Uh, they may not be drag racing, but they are uh, girl groupies. Yeah. Lois leaves the joint. And we get some more casual sexism. <laughs> she says, well, it's PMing. I better peel out. Anything else, Mr. Hemingway? To which Tom Hendry replies, I can dig the male of the species, but the female hot rodder baffles me. How do your folks feel about your passion for mechanics? Um, working on cars, Lois says. Oh, they're hoping it's like the measles. One day I'll wake up and it will disappear. They hope. It's like, oh my god, come on. 
mind your own fucking business. Let it be. Just let it be. Fucking so hell. what 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 on earth does gender have to do with who's behind the wheel of a car? But he's a journalist. Yeah. He's, he's a journalist, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Nothing to do with him, what she does. But it is. Yeah. It should to be write the about main it. focus. Yeah. So, the main focus of his article should be this absolute queen yeah. slaying as a mechanic and a driver and, uh-huh. you know, a drag racer. That should be it. He should be taking her photo. And he's not. He's like, oh, I don't get it. Yeah. It's not for you to get Tom Hendry. Yeah. Just write about it's it. It's really not. But when she leaves, they all have a dance to Ghost Train by the Renegades, another song you'll hear many times later on. Yes. Lois returns home, um, and her dad's there waiting. She's like, oh, hi, pup. I didn't see you. Like, oh, what am I, pal of wallpaper? Yeah. <laughs> Things are just as bad at home He well. fucking hates her. <laughs> he really does. Because he says uh, it's time you were thinking about other things, as in not the uh, mechanics. And she says, like what, men? You'd rather I tinkered with them than a motor? Or should I spend my days discussing the latest dirt with the cats? Like, who's going to have a baby and why? Yes, queen. He's really angry that she didn't make it to Mrs. Brady's house. Mm. And she's like, I have a serious problem, father. My fuel system isn't working right. I have to take it apart. And he's like, well, I ought to take you apart, you little bitch. <laughs> he's like, call him a little bitch. But he's like so angry. You might as well call her a bitch. He's so angry. He says, you're approaching womanhood. (laughs) And uh, she says, I have news for you. I've arrived. Yes. (laughs) To which he replies, well, tell me, has your mother ever talked to you about, well, you know. To which the queen, (laughs) this is a spoiler for our awards at the end. (laughs) The absolute queen turns to him and says, and you'd be amazed at how much I taught her. I love these... We get it sometimes in modern films, but these real zingy... Yeah. I don't know if that's a word I'm looking for, but I'm using it. Zingy one-liners. Uh-huh. This... And it, it's not a screwball comedy, but that kind of style of wordplay and... It's what reading is, really. Yeah. And, like, sarcasm and... Mm-hmm. I love that kind of humour. It's it's what I sort of like to watch yeah. in, in, in films, you know? Mm-hmm. Stuff like bringing up Baby and um, the one I can't remember. But you know what I'm talking I about. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. The gang discuss the eviction some more at the diner and Nita shows up with her boyfriend, Tony. I mean, he could be her grandfather. <laughs> and they uh, start talking tough to... Uh, to the Hot Rod Gang, and uh, the chef at the diner, in a bizarre series of events, pulls out his gun on Tony and Nita, and uh, they threaten to report him for leaving Texas without a passport. Nita's like... <laughs> What's most shocking is the fact that before they've even opened their mouths, <laughs> that shotgun is in their faces. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, what? Because this is the first time we see Tony. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, he looks like... The bad guy from Green, you know, yeah. every single bad guy from these teen films. So we, we fully recognise what's going on. But literally, the moment they walk in, <laughs> they have a shotgun in their face. Like, oh my god! Uh, the dialogue just gets better and better. Um, Nita's like, "Nice night for a ride," and Lois is like, "Go ride then." 
Tony tries putting his hands on Lois and she's like, take your flippers off me, seal. Yeah. <laughs> she also says uh, to Nita, meet you at dawn tomorrow. Long fingernails at 10 paces. <laughs> Nita and Tony are just so intimidated and they leave. Tom suggests that they should just call the police and Stan says... There are some things the boys in blue can't handle. And that's Nita and her 50-year-old boyfriend. Tom Hendry and Frenchie talk a little about youth culture. I don't I don't really I'm not really sure what they're going for no. with this. Um it's not very profound, to be fair. And uh, Tom decides to call his article This Restless Breed. <laughs> right? Good for you, Tom. Uh Stan takes Lois home and they have a kiss outside in his car, and Lois's dad is fucking fuming well i ought to kick that guy in the pants i don't like him slobbering all over my girl she's a baby and uh lois's mom's like well i was that age when you started dating me and you gave me some pretty bad moments remember <laughs> and he's like yeah but that was different <laughs> but this is the, the whole thing with stan and lois is the idea at the beginning you know tom asking stan Oh, is that your gal? Mm. And he said, no, she's only got eyes for her motor. And then... Good. Good for her. But she doesn't. Because they're doesn't. necking in the bloody <laughs> car outside her house. It's, it, it gets... It, the, the film, I know, I learned... Obviously. They are in a car, though. So, yeah. I mean, there is that girl. Maybe she's like uh, the girl from Tita. Maybe she's uh, fucking a car. I mean... Um, but the thing is, I, I know it's a teen exploitation film, so it is going to be here, there and everywhere. And I'm not looking for too much realism. Um, but I do. I, I would like if it sort of stuck to something. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, oh, this could be. I, I feel like we need to remake this <laughs> and make Lois turn around and say, nah, fuck you, Stan, get out. Yeah. You know, this is, uh, this is my show. Uh, Lois comes home and her dad has... Oh, do you think that's what Drive-Away Dolls is going to be like? Oh, maybe. I hope, be I good. really hope so. <laughs> Lois comes home and her dad has words of her about her near-fatal drag race with Nita, which is now front-page news. Uh, <laughs> Why is it front-page news? Slow news day. <laughs> Surely that is a slow news day. If that's well, front-page. I mean, she did nearly kill her. Well, kind of. She drove her to a wall. Yeah, but still, it's a bit, but it names names and shames her as well. I think Lois deserves to be on the front page every day, to be honest. Yeah, but serving, not you know, being called out for drag racing. What I was confused by was the fact that her father pretty much sends her mother away mm -hmm. so that they can discuss the fact that her drag racing from earlier and subsequent arrest has made the front page of the newspaper. <laughs> I know, has her mother not seen the news? <laughs> but, but, but why would her mother not want to be there to discuss it with her? Yeah. Does she not know about it? it and this is... No, she did. Because she comes back in and oh, says, yeah, Oh, does, yeah, yeah. You, you, I agree with your father. You're grounded. Yeah. So she's aware of it. So I don't know why she's sent out the room. No. You know, it, it's... It's weird that Lois is, is a rather progressive character... But we still get moments like this. Yeah. You know, the Lord giveth and the, the, the Lord taketh away. But, you know, I'd rather... This is your 19-year-old male-targeted side yeah. coming in. Because Where they mommy has to leave the room. Yeah. they Well, they don't want to see... Uh, and I mean, in that era, you know, I'm sure yeah. 
sure there are probably some men that are saying these days. But I'm sure they don't want C. Lewis being a girl boss, taking over racing in a place where they believe men should be mm. back at this time. So they've got to have these little things where she's getting disciplined and obviously the ending where she chooses love over cars. To a th- yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, He explains that his best client, Anastasia, is coming to stay with them and he hopes she doesn't find out about the racing. So he grounds Lois for two weeks. Yes. Um what his job is no idea why flute teacher if his if she's his best client why is she staying at his home <laughs> and his house it's weird i don't, I don't know what Elizabeth. he's selling but you know apparently anastasia loves it whenever he's selling uh, to her that she does um he says uh, you may get to know your parents again <laughs> But there's a big bash coming up at the club. And he's like, a bash? Well, that sounds positively indecent. (laughs) Um, Lois suggests that they host the bash at their home and double it up with a slumber party. And uh, he's like, oh, no. Not one of those all-female cackling sessions. (laughs) Oh, my God. What is wrong with you? It's giving. Um, Oh, what is... It's random. But... uh... The parents from Freddy's Revenge, <laughs> where the mother has to coax the father up to yeah. bed uh-huh. so that they can have an actual enjoyable party. Yeah, because <laughs> he wants to chaperone. <laughs> was it? Was it Kim? Is it? Or was that the actress's name? Uh, Kim Myers, the actress. Yeah. What's the character's name? Oh, so annoying. Yeah. Lisa. Lisa. Yes. Um, Anastasia arrives. Absolutely. They should do her for robbery because she steals everything she's in. Well, her and her friend. Her and her friend. (laughs) um, She is wearing a 11 out of 10 outfit. Yes. It's a knockout. She tells Lois's dad to go pay for a taxi fare and immediately starts to Lois, uh, how much dick you're getting? She is basically... She's kind of... She's dressed a bit like the mum from Mary Poppins. So it's very sort of Edwardian but outfit, which is which it's is like a surf. Edwardian, but make it cunt. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, she's brought a parrot, Alfonso. Alfonso. Um, and uh, Anastasia gets in to make various police noises. Yeah, <laughs> and he starts being rude to everyone and uh, calls Lois a dimwit. So Anastasia's like, nah, fuck off, and puts the sheet over him. Well, why does he call Lois a dimwit? Why? Because she misgenders him. Oh, okay. So, so oh, what, <laughs> you know, what's her name or, or something to that extent? And he says, he, you dimwit. Do I have to prove it? <laughs> yeah, and then he starts, you know, flapping his parrot yeah. willy in her face. Yeah, and... so she has to put a sheet over him. <laughs> he has to put a sheet over him. Cause he oh, he's a despicable creature. Anastasia tells him how she used to play the harp until she realised it makes an excellent cheese grater. <laughs> so then she starts playing flute really badly for everyone and they're all having the worst time. Well, the parrot the most. Just, <laughs> what Throughout the parrot scenes, I don't know. Obviously, the parrot's not actually talking no. in the scene. But I don't know how much the other actors know of mm-hmm. what's going to be said. Because they don't really react to it. No. <laughs> and I'm assuming they're not meant to react to it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, it's kind of... No one... 
the parrot's rude and no one's uh-huh. actually shocked or like insulted when they've been called a dimwit. So I don't know how much the actors are aware of, uh-huh. but it, it, it is it is funny. It's kind of the lowest form of comedy. It is. A rude parrot, but it, it is funny. Lois and her parents host the Hot Rod Gang. Ga- uh... Excuse me. <laughs> Almost got my words mixed up. Hot, hot Rod, Rod Gang Bang. Um, hot Rod Gang Bash. Can you see my predicament? <laughs> and they play Geronimo by the Renegades. Hey, That's the only favorite. band that everyone listens to. Does, does she, I haven't got it in my notes, but doesn't she say, this is the new record? Yes. <laughs> Geronimo. <laughs> like, yeah, you just heard it the other day. Lois's father goes outside and finds two kids kissing, and they're like, oh, we were just getting us some air. And he's like, where do you think you'll find it? Down her throat? <laughs> he has a chat with Tom about how he doesn't understand the youth of today. And Tom tells him it's because of the depressing state the world's in. They want to grow up fast because they don't know if there will be a tomorrow. It's like, oh my god, where the fuck did that come from? The Cold War, <laughs> isn't it? Cold War. They all have a slow dance to I Promise You. I don't know who it's by. I promise you. Um, Bonzo the Clown, he partakes in a slow dance with Lois's mother. Yeah, they've all swapped partners now. Yeah, and he informs her that she's a MILF, pretty yeah. much. And yeah. Yeah, there's no two ways about it. Oh, you're bitty, or oh, well, I I don't <laughs> the jargon. I'm not, I'm not sure because we watched a few of these films, but we haven't watched loads of these films, and I, I can't say I'm an expert, but some of it I genuinely just feel they've made up for the film, <laughs> like kids back then didn't actually uh-huh. speak like that, and also like this is from 1959. So why do we not have 70, 80-year-olds talking like this now? Yeah, that's true. Why <laughs> Why is it not stuck? Well, we haven't been to America. Well, no, but we've seen films, American films, and like, interviews with mm-hmm. older Americans, and they don't talk like this anymore. And I think it's a real shame. Yeah. I do actually think it's a real shame. Yeah. I mean, I'd have no fucking clue what the hell they're going on about, but I'd be entertained, tell you. Uh, Anastasia says, oh, this is a wonderful party. I know, because I have a splitting headache. I'll retire for the night. <laughs> so she goes to bed and starts Why playing a you... flute. She's not a Mae West character. She's oh, more like sound an, like West an elderly lady. <laughs> She's like, oh, this is a wonderful party. I know, because I have a splitting headache. Okay, she doesn't sound like that. Well, yeah. somewhere between the two of us. Um, she goes to bed and starts playing her flute to give everyone else a splitting headache. Um, no. And Lois's mum convinces Lois's dad to go to bed and leave the kids alone. But as they leave, those fucking troublemakers, Nita and Tony, arrive. Yeah. Um. Question. Tony and Nita and a couple of friends who never get names no, or, or scummy any friends, as they're called. Was it scummy friends they get called? I think so. <laughs> they turn up. They know they're going to be turned away. Yeah. Because they're in some sort of feud. Mm-hmm. Why are they dressed up? Like if you've just gone, in case they get let- <laughs> if you've gone to annoy someone at a party, <laughs> you don't have to dress up for the occasion. Everyone wears a suit in the fifties. Like poor Nita, <laughs> I, I kind of feel sorry for Nita because I think Tony's a bad influence on her. But she's like dressed to the nines. She's yes. serving. She's like she's ready for prom, and. They get turned away, obviously. What yeah. a complete waste of time. Well, I mean, Stan's like, just fuck off. And Lois, in out of nowhere, I mean, 
I feel like she's doing a bit of a Jolene on Nita. Um, she starts dancing with Tony mm. and just looks her dead in the eye the whole time. Yeah. And Stan's like, hey, that, that's enough, you two. And uh, Nita's like, get get the fuck here now and drags Tony out of the house. Pretty much. And it's, it's weird because it's not really established how much of a relationship Nita and Tony have. No. Because Tony kind of only has eyes for Lois. It's a very awkward dance. Like, yeah. it is literally just, he's resting his head on her. She's just like staring at Nita. It's like, um... Well, she does the <laughs> dance because she doesn't want any trouble at her home because it's her house. Yeah, so dancing with her fucking rival's boyfriend while staring her dead in the eyes and not going to cause any trouble. Mm, true. <laughs> the slumber party begins and the girls have a dance to the charge by the renegades. We only hear this one once. Um, before they all start laughing at a western on TV. Oh my God, but it's... So, this is very confusing. <laughs> so they play charge, okay? And it's quite loud. So one of the girls switches on the TV for some reason. <laughs> And you get, like, Civil War soldiers charging forwards and then backwards and then forwards. So it's like a YouTube poop. Yeah. <laughs> of these Civil War soldiers on horseback. And the girls think it's the most hilarious thing. I mean, <laughs> it's sad, really, because this parrot has been on top form throughout the whole film. He's uh -huh. been reading people left, right yeah. and centre. And no one's laughed. No. But the moment you put on some Civil War soldiers, <laughs> YouTube poop version, <laughs> they're in hysterics. Very confusing. Yeah. Understandably, Lois's father can't sleep because they are being very loud. They are. And also he sleeps in a separate single bed to Lois's mother. 1959, yeah. definitely. It it does. It cracks me up because it, it is a sign of the times when married couples in these in these films sleep in separate single beds, like they don't have a daughter already. I know. Yeah. Outside, <laughs> the the jig is up. Um, he keeps trying to use the bathroom, but the girls keep getting there before him. And he falls asleep outside of the bathroom. Lois wakes him up and he fucking breaks the fourth wall. And he's like, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> what what makes me laugh is that he, he insinuates that he didn't make it in time the last time he tried to use the bathroom. Yeah. So he's already pissed himself once that <laughs> night. And also the joke is, of course, don't females go to the bathroom a lot. Uh -huh. Don't women urinate a hell yeah. of a lot. Oh, and they're going in together and they're talking. Oh, they take ages. But, I mean, the amount there's not that many girls there. No. So the amount of times they go in and out, I mean, I, I don't want to insinuate it, but they might want some cranberry juice <laughs> if they're having to use the toilet that many times. You did not go where I thought you were going with that. No? I thought you were going to say they're just bagheads. Bagheads? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, they're, they're doing lines of coke off the, <laughs> off the toilet. Maybe. Um, the Hot Rod Gang are finally evicted from their clubhouse. Or the Seven Gang, whatever the fuck you call this. Film. Zenith Club. Thank you. Anastasia takes Lois and Alfonso to the clubhouse so Lois can say her goodbyes and almost kills them both on the way there while she's speeding. Oh, hilarious <laughs> scene of Anastasia 
driving very dangerously <laughs> because she doesn't have a license. What I found hilarious was Lois's mum, who says, no, you're not allowed to drive. You're still grounded. You're not allowed to drive. You're not allowed to drive. But she was perfectly fine with someone who does not have a license driving her there. No. You can't drive because you're grounded. But this older lady who probably hasn't had an eye test in a very long time <laughs> and does not have a driving license, is perfectly fine taking you there. Go for it. <laughs> What's that teaching the youth of America in 1959? Uh, it's now 40 minutes in and Anastasia <laughs> finally suggests that they move to her old, haunted, deserted mansion. Oh, shit, this meant to be a horror film. And they set up, and she suggests they set up shop in Drag Strip Hollow yeah. so they can make it their new headquarters. She tells them all about its creepy past and how she's witnessed all sorts of spooky shit there before. So they turn up at the house. Yeah. And it's a haunted house. It's it's your very stereotypical haunted house. Yeah. It's given Adam's family, the Munsters, it's given William Castle, all that stuff. It really doesn't seem fit for purpose, though. No. Because what the club had was a diner. Yeah. Um, so food could be prepared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Frenchie had a job. And also, like, a garage... Yeah. Like a proper garage where lots of cars mm-hmm. could be and they could work on them. This is a haunted house. Yeah. This is just a haunted house. So there's probably a kitchen, okay, but it's a haunted house. Yeah, it just it did not need to be here. I mean <laughs> no purpose whatsoever. It's very um from this point on, it's very Abbott and Costello. Yes. You know, it's that sort of humour. Um, two eyes are seen floating in the mansion as they arrive, as well as the shadow of a monster walking down the stairs. Um, like 50 fucking times. How many times do we have to see that shadow down the fucking stairs? And Lois is like, this place is loaded with ectoplasm, isn't it? <laughs> um, they're trying to go in and all the clear is like, ooh, ooh. Just like fucking Poundland Halloween noises. And uh, Tom's like, nah, it's fine, we'll go in. And now Tom starts acting so fucking sketchy. And as at this point, we should probably be like, hang on, we let this guy fucking sleep with us in our clubhouse. <laughs> because he's acting like a red yeah. herring. Well, he believes that there's a rational explanation for all of it. Um, but then decides that him and Stan need to take turns keeping watch. Yeah. As they sleep there overnight. Like, what? I don't understand the purpose of them sleeping there overnight. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't it's really It's a little care. strange. And also, she's grounded for two weeks. Yeah. So. I thought, yeah, I thought she was still grounded. No, wasn't it coming to the end of her being grounded? Was it? I, I, but it was still well. within the time scale of her not being allowed to drive. Anyway, the, the, the monster, I'm going to call it a monster. Because it's not a ghost. It's not even a monster. But it's <laughs> the film's called Ghost of Drake yeah. Hollow. It's not a ghost. We do see a ghost, though. Do, do we? Within the final few seconds. Oh, okay. Well, Bonzo's girlfriend gets her ass pinched by yeah. this monster. Um, Again, sign of the times. Lois gets spun around when she sits in the front of the <laughs> fireplace. So Stan gaslights her about it. Bonzo the Clown's hat's lifted up by yes. Invisible Force. Yes. Um, which doesn't really make any sense considering um, the main culprit is a guy in a monster suit. Yeah. Um, Dave sinks into a chair. We, all, we hear more screams and groans. And uh, one of them's like, I recognise that scream. And he was like, that was Grandmother Aphrodite. Yeah. 
What? <laughs> the ghost just is just constantly playing pranks on people. It just keeps walking around and touching people. And Alfonso's like, oh, everyone will be really quiet in the morning. He looks, the monster looks like a cheap version of the creature from the Black Lagoon, yeah. let's be honest. And uh, special effects man Paul Blaisdell mm-hmm. recycled two monster costumes. Yeah. The outfit from the she-creature from 1956 and the alien head from Invasion of the Saucer Men in 1957. And it looks exactly yeah. like that sounds. Um, yeah, Lois thinks Tom could be one of the weirdos running the place. Yeah, understandably. Uh-huh. Yeah, the whole fireplace thing happens. And yeah, the guy walks out, and I really, I mean, I just love a guy in a suit like this in monster <laughs> movies. As I've told uh, people on the podcast many times when we've covered films like this, it's just so much charm to it. I love it. It's giving Scooby Doo. It is. Yeah, he um the the monster goes for a nap next to Dave and puts his arm around him. Dave grabs the guy's hand, gives a bit of a funny look to the camera, but doesn't really react. Yeah. So that goes nowhere. Yeah. Um, for the club's grand opening and the reveal of Dave's car, Amelia, they hold a Halloween masked ball and invite everyone to come dress as their favourite monster. Yeah. So the next morning, the monster's fucked off and no one has a problem anymore. <laughs> so they start to clean the place up and organise a costume party for that evening. Like Gary said, Tom Hendry tells Lois that she and the other girls can throw some costumes together. <laughs> Fuck off. Fuck off. I'm really... I, it's a fashion it, challenge. It's, it's a design it's challenge. It's a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling. Well, I'm not struggling. The film's struggling to figure out what it wants to say about gender roles. <laughs> I know. But then we cut to the party anyway, and the, the, the girls have put together some good costumes. I, yeah, I like the costumes. Yeah. Uh, which band did they get to play? I don't know. It's, of course, the town band, the Renegades, and they're performing Ghost Train three times. Three times. But then, the uh, big success that is Jimmy Madden shows up. Yeah. Starts performing his hit record, Tongue Tied, to the camera, breaking the fourth wall. Yes. And I like the song. Um, He looks very out of place, because everyone's in their costumes, and he's dressed perfectly normal. He's like a suit. And such, but they do say it's Jimmy Madden performing his <laughs> hit single "Tongue Tied." Well, I've done the research, and I don't think it was a hit single because I can't find anything on that song. No, um, I'm assuming that Jimmy Madden was hoping that the film would create a hit single. Yeah, and seemingly it didn't. No, but you know, I liked I liked the song. I liked Bonzo and his girlfriend doing a skeleton-clad jive. Um, I liked when the monster has a dance with Lois, and Lois is in a yeah. blonde wig, serving. Uh, Lois's blonde wig is amazing. Um, Tom and Stan are looking all over the house for the ghost sanctuary. Um, but yeah, the the monster's having a dance. Yeah, he's um, joining in. Tony, Nita, and their friend show up and pay Lois off before having a dance. But then Nita challenges Lois to a race and Stan is fuming that Lois took her on yet again and they settle this by having a nice dance together. Yeah, we don't see the race. No. It's genuinely... It, it's the worst part of the film. Really yeah. annoying. Um, So they, they don't pay her off. They, they pay her money to join the party. 
So they're charging people yeah. to join so they can get money for the club. Um, Nita deliberately bumps into Lois and then decide to have one final drag race to put their issues to rest. Fantastic. Lois says, let me get changed. Cut. Camera cuts. Come back. Yeah, the wig's gone. The wig's gone and she's being told off. By do you Stan. think her wig flew while drag racing? <laughs> I hope so. I do hope so. But it's so annoying. Why yeah. would we not see it? Why are we... Why? Instead, we have to watch the incel that is Dave uh, presenting Amelia to everyone. He definitely shags his car. Definitely. He's like, now don't get too close. You'll give her claustrophobia. She catches a cold easily. Um, How did they get that car inside? I know. I know. How did he get inside that car? Why? Why would they bring the (laughs) car? Disgusting. He tells everyone how sensitive the car is and the car starts speaking to him. That is... Ultimate inside behaviour. He's created a car that speaks to him. <laughs> Dave decides he wants to give Amelia's first ride to Anastasia. I mean, hey. of course. And she wants well, to bring... Technically second, I think. She she wants to bring Alfonso. And the car... Amelia's like, get this pigeon off me. <laughs> the car catches fire at the back. Uh, and Dave asks if the house is haunted for some reason. And the car's like, the house is haunted. It's like, okay, hang on a minute. The car seems Why to be the car know? like Mystic Meg, <laughs> like all knowing. And then it finds a way to open the fireplace. <laughs> it solves the fucking mystery. So Lois has been vindicated and the fireplace does spin. Yeah. And it's the car that sort of, I, I don't know, it's an antenna or something, pokes mm-hmm. a button. Yeah. A very, a very obvious button, let's be clear. And um, yeah, that's it. I mean, <laughs> the car that's saves the, the day. car. The car saves this car that knows everything, saves the day. Because then Tom Henry, well, Tom Henry helps. Yeah. Because he finds a way to unmask the monster by telling everyone to unmask for the best costume award. Which Take makes- it off. <laughs> Take <laughs> it off. Oh, God. Yeah. It's like the masked singer. For the best costume award. Which, I mean, why would you take part of your costume off? For the best costume <laughs> award. Rita Ora stands up so who are you? Who are you? And the phony monster is unmasked by one of the teenagers revealing it to be AIP special effects maestro Paul Blaisdell, who plays the monster that he created. Yeah, so he appears... Well, he has what I assume to be, and I don't want to make assumptions about people's voice... But I'm assuming it's a put-on squeaky voice. Yeah. Um, they like... they appear to know him. <laughs> and he talks about how he'd starred in a previous film. So, like Gary it's, said, it's... It goes with the break in the fourth wall. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like self-referential. I mean, this is kind of definitely paved the way for Scream. But... <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Shut your fucking mouth. Like, so he, he's crying and he's complaining to the camera. He's like, well, you've seen me before. I scared you to death in the day the world ended. You shivered when you saw me in She-Creature. Oh, the shame of it. The indignity. They didn't use me in horrors of the Black Museum after my years of faithful service. They just threw me away. So, what they're going for is a disgruntled special effects guy. Um, <laughs> Which is... A very weird inside <laughs> joke. I can't imagine anyone in 1950... 
bitch, they didn't have IMDb back no. then. No, oh, I can't believe it's him. I can't believe it. I cannot imagine anyone in 1959 going, oh my God, it's him. It's it's Paul Blythdale. Like, oh my God. Um, so the mystery solved and... They all chase him out. They do, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. But then they continue partying. And they're having a, you know, they're like, oh, well, that's all solved now. Um, when the real ghost of the house's owner, John Abernathy, walks out of his portrait and towards the screen. And the kids are like, they all stop and stare at him, but then they start dancing again. Like, you've all just seen a real ghost. Yeah. And then we get a, a title saying that the endest man. And that's and it. That's Ghost of Dragstrip Hollow. That's Ghost of Dragstrip Hollow. What um, have you been missold PPI? I'm... Or have you been missold uh, AIP? <laughs> I'm not mad because I was thoroughly entertained throughout every second of that. It was... Messages are a little mixed up. Um, classic 1950s. But, you know, I'm here for the rest of the film and I would happily watch that again. It's only an hour and five minutes long. Yes. Yeah, no, thoroughly enjoyable. So silly. Um... Real product of its time, so yeah, okay, the the politics are a little skewed, yeah. but you know, it's an enjoyable film, and there is a little bit of that positive representation. I mean, uh-huh. if you just see it for what it is, um, at least there's a little bit of positive representation there. Yeah. In terms of the Arkoff formula that we spoke about earlier, mm-hmm. action. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely had that. Revolution, so a novel or controversial theme. Women racing. Women drag racing, yeah. yeah. Killing, so a little bit of violence. I mean, yeah. something exactly shocking in their face. That's true. Uh, oratory, so notable dialogue and speeches. All so that, many. All that sort of teenage talk yeah. that makes no sense. Fantasy, talking yeah. car. The ghosts at the end. Fornication. Yeah. Well, snogging in the car. Snogging in the car. Uh, the sleepover. Yeah. Uh, or slumber party, should I say? Uh-huh. You know, it's nineteen fifty nine, so you're not gonna get it that racy. Mm-hmm. So I th- it ticks all those yeah. boxes. Achieves what I set out to do. You know, um, yeah, it's it's good. I mean, it, it is what it is, and I I do feel like myself and Gary have an affinity to these kind of film. If you don't like this kind yeah. of film, it it's not for you. No. But we love, we eat this shit up. We, yeah. we love this kind of Americana teen exploitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, top notch. Entertainment. So let's get to the awards. Biggest queen. I mean, come on. Nita. Oh, it is Lois. It of is. Course. Biggest gasp. I've got Dave's misogyny. Oh my God. I, I literally put down gasp. Dave's misogyny. Like, I mean, I that was an actual it. gasp. Oh my god. Yeah. It wasn't I, like I that in better. Hot Rod Gang. No, I don't think. I, we would have noticed. They keep it hidden, don't they? Best dialogue, I've got to take your flippers off me, seal. <laughs> Where do you think you'd find it? Down her throat. <laughs> <laughs> and that's camp. I have the Hot Rod Gang girl group performing. He's my guy. Yes. I went with Alfonso's. Uh, Alfonso the Power reading everyone to filth. <laughs> Ratings, I give it eight cheese grating harps out of ten. <laughs> I gave it seven baffling female hot rodders out of ten. Uh, masterpiece, trash the piece, trash, basic, or a camp old bunch of fun. 
A new award introduced. <laughs> right now. Yes, because it's very appropriate because there's a camp old bunch of it's, fern. It is. It's a camp old bunch of fern. Camptastic. Camptacular. Yeah. It's camp. It's available on YouTube and nowhere else. Um, it needs a Blu-ray release. I, I would it want a big box set. a old DVD release. Does it? In America. In America. Yeah. And it was um, the double feature with that um, Teenage Bride film. So okay. I, I think, I assume what they were going for is that this is a DVD version of the yeah. drive-through double bill, which I, would, I think is really cool. Yeah, I'd way. love to see a big box set of those double features. Oh my god! Like, um, I would love anyone really. I mean, Shout Factory. Indicator yeah. or Shout Factory in America to do like a um, box set of these um, Arkoff yeah films. Oh my god! I would give you. Good money for that. If you enjoyed this, I mean, check out any of those sort of films, but specifically, I recommend The Horror of Party Beach. Yes, I went a little different. If you liked the look of the trailer, which has no bearings on the film, <laughs> um, then I say check out William Castle's original 13 Ghosts, yes. because that is the film that the trailer for uh, this film was meant to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so, if uh, you have a favourite teen exploitation film, tell us on social media. We're Horrorcore Trash over on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and Horrorcore Trash on Twitter. I'm Gaz 92 on Letterboxd, Gazma205 on Instagram, and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I just realised we still call it Twitter. I mean, yeah, fuck calling it the other names. <laughs> Elon must go fuck himself. He's lucky we're still on there. Carry on. Um, oh. You're on Letterboxd and Instagram. I'm on Letterboxd and Instagram (laughs) because I don't believe in Elon Musk taking over the world. Um, And also... I mean, our podcast doesn't either, just to put that out there. Yeah, but Twitter is a hateful place. Um, I'm Chris Barker823 on Letterboxd and Instagram. I'm sorry, it's the fucking truth. (laughs) It is. Every time I ever went on Twitter, people were just being horrible to each other. I don't know if I was following the wrong people. This is a minor rant. I'm sorry. But I I thought it was horrible. People just being really horrible to each other. And on that note, unless you have some sort of emotional attachment to Twitter, <laughs> give us a rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And like and follow on everything else. Uh, we'll be back on Friday with our threesome with Dr. Moreau. <laughs> it is original versus remake time again. Him. And we're going into all three versions of the Dr. Moreau story. We certainly put on screen. Are. It's going to be... Oof. And next week... <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oof. It's going to be something. I mean, there probably will be people saying what's in the films. Oof. Um, next week... What's next week? There's something wrong with this beach. <laughs> we are taking you for our final Summer Screams episode of 2023. We are taking you to the beach that makes you old. And we're discussing M. Night Shyamalan's Old. The first Shyamalan film we've discussed on this podcast. Good gracious. I... Yeah. Yeah. A film <laughs> where we were in pain trying to stop ourselves laughing at the cinema. Oh my god. There's a lot to say. A laugh riot. Definitely. Yeah. So we'll be back same time, same place on Friday. Bye. Bye.